Hello and welcome to the Squiggly Lives podcast. The show that explores life purpose by taking you on a journey into different people's unique and somewhat squiggly worlds. We're your hosts, Helena and Claire. This week we chat with psychological wellbeing counsellor and CBT therapist Tuba Ahmed. We talk at length about the benefits of talk therapy and cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT as well as really delving into the practical methods that can help relieve mental suffering. Tuba talks about her career path and describes how she navigated her way to her current role, a role that she finds deeply fulfilling and sees as helping her to serve her purpose. We also discuss upbringing, community, faith and religion, and how they impacted Tuba's life purpose and path. This episode really touched on issues that we may all encounter in our lives. It was a wonderful, uplifting discussion on well-being, the mind, and discovering purpose. Welcome, Tuba. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Let's start by, well, let's start with your background. And do you want to talk a bit about your journey into, well, becoming a CBT therapist? Um, Hi, uh, thank you both for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here today. Um, So just in terms of Uh, a bit of background about myself. Um, I first um, came across psychology and sort of like got introduced to to sort of the idea of of psychology um, when I was um, first in in sixth form. Um, So that's when I first came across it because you could choose it as a subject to to do it. And um, and so that's that's the first introduction I almost had to it. And I really, really enjoyed it. And at that point in time, I wasn't entirely sure what direction I'm going to be going in in terms of like my future career and stuff. And I know a lot of people around me were making those decisions. Um, but I always sort of sort of struggled to know what what I'd want to do, what I'd want to go on. Um, I know there's a part of me that I guess like my aim always was to to do something that's to do with with people helping people or um doing something to to um I guess yeah help people but it wasn't I wasn't entirely sure in what capacity I would want to do that um and I think um often I guess like within the Asian community you've got like your parents expecting you to maybe go into medicine or go into like becoming um I guess like mainly like becoming a doctor and stuff or doing anything in that medical profession um and so I did have almost that sort of um that sort of there being present where parents sort of expected me to go into that direction but actually I didn't end up making the grades for it in the end so that wasn't something that was an option for me but um when I came across psychology and I I sort of came across because it's still sort of the idea it's still sort of part of the the medical side of things in the sense of you're still sort of supporting people with their with their mental health and so when I came across that I always felt like this is what I was looking for this is what I've you know what I've been maybe like this is what's meant for me almost um so I really enjoyed those like two years that I studied psychology at my levels and that's when I decided I'm going to go on and study at uni and so I ended up doing my bachelor's in psychology which was followed by a sort of master's um, in sort of child development because I was more interested in working with children um, and so it, it's funny how things worked out in the end because now I'm actually working with adults um, so initially I, my interest was sort of within children but when I was applying for um, once I sort of 
did my course as a psychological well-being practitioner or sort of a low intensity CBT therapist I um when I was applying for that I did apply for both sort of adults and children but end up getting into the adults one instead so I thought okay well why not just give this a go and see where it takes me um, and now that I'm here I've really enjoyed it and, and it's always felt like this is what I'd been meaning to do all this time but I obviously didn't really know like how I was going to get get into it and and it's almost like yeah it, it's almost now feels very rewarding and fulfilling that I am in a place where I feel like I've I'd always meant to be almost it sounds like you you flowed quite naturally with it all rather than making any very conscious decisions yeah it sounds like it appeared quite early on for you and then you sort of just rather than putting too much pressure you just followed it and it flowed yeah. where you yeah. are now exactly yeah it's it sort of flowed naturally that's what I was that's why I like just looking back at you know like in terms of my experiences to do with psychology and, and like working within psychology like I did find that whenever like you know I was sort of applying for jobs and, and stuff like it, it like you like you described it, it flowed quite naturally so it's sort of whatever I was looking for in terms of like jobs and stuff I managed to sort of get into them get the experience I needed and move on to the next thing almost so it sort of started falling into place all by itself which was amazing mm -hmm. um or like always yeah it, it it was great the way things turned out for me do you want to talk so you're you're currently a psychological well-being practitioner and CBT therapist do you yeah. want to talk a little bit more about what that role involves yeah, of course. So, um, so as a psychological well-being practitioner, um, we basically work within um, IAP, which stands for Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. And it sort of comes within the NHS. And what the way um, I guess the job role works is that um, we provide therapy or like free confidential therapy to people that have common mental health problems, including like low mood, depression, anxiety. Um, and so our job is as sort of psychological wellbeing practitioners and low intensity therapists is to guide, um, guide people that come through to us through, I guess, like guided self-help material um, to better manage the symptoms that they're experiencing to also explain a bit more about obviously what CBT is and to give you guys a bit more of an insight about what CBT involves so CBT or which is also known as cognitive behavioral therapy is basically a talking therapy um, that can help you manage your um, problems by changing the the way you think and the way you behave so within CBT we recognize that our thoughts and our behaviors tend to have an impact on how we feel um, and so CBT, you would basically identify what those unhelpful thoughts and behaviours are that are impacting or contributing to how you're feeling right now in terms of adding to your sort of depression or your anxiety and then changing those around, because we, we recognise that those thoughts and behaviours are very much interconnected um, and they can trap you in this sort of vicious cycle. So it helps you sort of identify what's obviously proving to be unhelpful. How can we make changes to those areas? particularly your thoughts and your behaviours. Mm. Um, and it's pretty much focused on, on what's going on for you right now. So in the here and now, in the present moment, as opposed to focusing on issues from your past. And, and yeah, it looks at practical ways to improve your overall state of, of well-being. So as a psychological well-being practitioner, um, you're basically 
talking people through that come through to us through certain materials of how and guiding them essentially through that material and how to better manage the symptoms that they're experiencing um, in that moment of time. And so it's it's currently uh, correct me if I'm wrong is it the or one of the main forms of therapy or mental health therapies that you are used in the NHS yeah. and yeah. And if so, is there is there a reason for, for, for that? Is it does it have better results, for example, than other forms of um, talking therapies? Yeah, definitely. So there is definitely research that shows um, how effective CBT can actually be for you, especially sometimes. Um, and I think in terms of, you know, the CBT being offered by um, NHS, and, and it being free also means that there's obviously much longer sort of waiting times and, and things like that that people are dealing with as well when they come across sort of come across our services. But essentially, um, it's proven to be research has shown how effective it can be, even if you just have six sessions, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, wow. If you have six sessions over a course of six weeks, you can you can notice improvements um, within people that are struggling with with depression or anxiety. So um so essentially often what tends to happen is when sort of people come through to a service such as where I'm I'm working at, at the moment, they would um potentially be especially if they have not had any previous treatment before, they've never actually had access to any therapy at all, and they usually get introduced to sort of guided self-help or guided CBT, which is something that that I sort of specialize in and I'm qualified in. Um, and then they sort of um, have those sort of six sessions to begin with. If that sort of leads to improvement in their symptoms, then we potentially look at um, discharging them. But if obviously there's anything left that we weren't able to cover within our treatment, then they get the opportunity to potentially um, be seen by a, another therapist to further build on the work that, that, that they've done um, by sort of a qualified CBT therapist going forward. So um it is it again as i um as i was explaining earlier it is quite it is proven to be beneficial for common mental health problems such as depression and anxiety um and the reason for that i guess is it's again it gives you a chance to and it could be you know really simple things that you might be coming across in therapy that's that if a person's telling you those things it's almost like you know a light bulb moment and it sort of almost helps you get out of that state of low mood that you might be in, the state of anxiety that you might be in, that although yes, those techniques might sound quite simple, but when you are asked to maybe do them, you know, in your own time, you may not be able to do it effectively because of the mindset that you might be in in that moment. And actually just someone guiding you through it um, has proven to be quite beneficial. Um, there is also uh, an approach, uh, another uh, approach that's often used um, to, um, to deal with mental health problems, which is known as counselling, um, which I think a lot of people um, often do come across. And, and I think sometimes the two get confused. Um, so, you know, counselling, the, the idea I think often comes across as someone who's maybe, I don't know, lying in an office, lying on a sofa with a therapist on the side um, and, and just sort of talking through stuff with them. But actually um, it's, it, I mean, it's it's not so much counseling is not so much um, structured as CBT might be. 
so CBT is more about you know having structure about what what we're going to be covering what we're going to be doing in a session going through that stuff introducing them to a tool or a technique and then asking them to sort of practice that in their own time whereas counseling is more of an approach where you can just explore what's happening explore what's going on for you how it's impacting you so so the two there, there's sort of an interesting difference between the two usually when I'm explaining it to to some of, some of my clients I, I usually sort of give the analogy of you know imagine yourself in a hole um, and think about um, whether you'd like to understand why you're there in the first place understand what's happened to you that's contributed to that understand how um those things that may have impacted you, like, is this what you want to do? Have that space just to talk about what's happened? Or do you want some tools and techniques to get out of that hole? Mm -hmm. um, do you want to learn ways to be able to manage how you're feeling right now? Because counseling does go a lot into the past where CBT doesn't. Um, and so it's it's quite interesting to 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 obviously understand the difference because often people don't, or they, they, they're sort of confused about, oh, I just want to talk to someone, but actually it's CBT that they need because it's it's more about you know getting out of the hole that they need because they already know what's 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 gotten them there um often what also happens is for instance like anxiety management or techniques to manage anxiety where if you're feeling quite stressed or you worry a lot you don't need to know why you might be doing it you you want to understand what's maintaining the worry what's keeping it going mm. um so and that's what we often explore within CBT rather than counseling. So people may have this idea that, oh, um, maybe I need some, I need to just talk to someone to, to be able to manage my anxiety, but it's actually, um, you might need to learn some tools and techniques to manage as opposed to just, you know, talking or exploring why it might be happening. That's really interesting. I love the analogy with the hall. Yeah, yeah, it does clarify things a bit more as well, because I think, it's, it's quite a good way to explain I think the difference between the two yeah. um, or quite an easy way to explain it as opposed to going yeah. into the dog side of things yeah so with the tools or the tech the techniques in CBT yeah. what are there are there many different kinds of techniques that are used um or like uh, one or two main ones or how what what does it look like in practice exactly like what are some of the techniques yeah of course so we've got so there does tend to be different kinds of techniques for potentially different um problems that people might be struggling with um so we might have because cbt is very structured we've always got these protocols that we we would be expected to follow within our therapy to cover certain things within our therapy especially if someone's presenting with a certain type of problem you know what technique might be useful for them basically so in that sense there would be different uh, tools and techniques for different problems so uh, to give you an example often when you know someone comes through to us that's struggling with with low mood um, and that can be identified through the idea or there could be different symptoms that might um, identify that someone's struggling with low mood. Um, and often I think the idea um, behind that is that you, you, know, you might not be interested in doing the things that you used to do anymore. You might notice you're feeling more down than usual. You might notice you're quite withdrawn and isolated. 
um, and that you're you, and, and you might also experience really you know difficult thoughts about not wanting to be here that can be very very common experience when it comes to low mood and and depression and so if someone comes through to us and and usually that's sort of the the kind of presentation they fall under that we do also ask them to complete like questionnaires to to check in with those symptoms as well but um, generally get an idea from them. So have an assessment, get an idea from them. What is it that they're actually struggling with? What's the goal um, as well? And then if their presentation, you know, comes under, it sounds like they're struggling with low mood, they're quite withdrawn, they're quite um, deactivated, they're, they're, they're struggling with a lack of motivation, they have no interest in, you know, um, wanting to do the things that they used to do or the things that they usually enjoy, then it's almost looking at the low mood protocol. So you'd be looking at the low mood protocol to better help them manage those symptoms. And that's where the tools and techniques come in. So, um, you know, the first thing that we usually ask them to do is get an idea. So because um, to sort of, I guess, give you a bit of context as well. When I first mentioned um, what CBT is, I obviously mentioned the idea of focusing on your thoughts and your behaviours. So someone who's struggling with low mood will notice that they're feeling down. Um, and when they feel down, they'll have, um, they won't do the things that they usually do. So they would um, probably, you know, not hang out with any of their friends. They would maybe spend more time in bed. Um, so they, they, that, those are the behaviours that you're looking out for. Um, and when you when you're obviously not doing anything, that's you're also missing out on that sense of achievement and pleasure that you'd get from these activities that you usually do. Um, and so that means that you also have a space, more of a space to think about more of the negative things that might be going on in your life as well. So you end up having a lot of negative thoughts around, you know, what's the point? I can't be bothered. Um, and those negative thoughts then feed back into the behaviors because. You're having what's you're having thoughts of what's the point you're not likely going to do anything um either way and so that sort of leads to this vicious cycle which then also results in you feeling quite low emotionally but also impacts you physically where you feel quite tired you feel uh, you struggle to sleep maybe or you actually sleep quite a lot so it could go either way um you might have a lack of appetite or actually might be comfort eating and so in that sense, you're sort of trying to identify, you know, what those different thoughts are, what those different behaviours are, how they're impacting the person emotionally and physically, and then from there on, identify or zoom into the behaviours to begin with, because research has shown that if you were to change your behaviours when it comes to the symptoms of low mood or managing symptoms of low mood, that that's the quickest way to overcome depression. Um, there's been specific guidelines around, um, they're called like, known as NICE guidelines, which have obviously done the research on this and found that if you if you focus on the, the behaviors to begin with, you will overcome depression in a short period of time. And, and that's the most effective way to start. So we focus, or we, we first would ask the clients, well, what, what's your current activity levels like? What are you doing at the moment? Um, so we'd ask them to basically complete a diary. And that's often the case for every, um, single session that we first ask them to do a diary to understand or gain an awareness about what is going on right now for them what are they doing what do their behaviors look like so they, they'll complete an activity diary come back to us the next week we'll check in with that diary to see well how you how your activities spread out and then often with low mood you will notice that people might be um, spending a lot of time maybe working and spending time you know working um, or 
and the other half of that time might be might be spent more so in bed or withdrawn from other people not doing anything maybe watching some tv oversleeping or 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 um maybe spending time a lot on their phone but you will notice that there isn't much that they're doing in terms of pleasurable activities even with work they might not be able to concentrate on their work so they might it might be shown as yes I'm working but actually there is no actual effort that's going into the work for instance um, you might also notice in there that they're not keeping up with their routine tasks you know like meal times or waking up on time or um, going for a walk that they might used to do they, they they're not keeping up with that stuff so you're looking out for sort of specific patterns in the activity diary to see what's been going on for them and then um helping them understand that okay well in order to turn this around in order to be able to help uh help us manage our learning better we want to be able to increase activity levels again so change it around because at the moment you're not getting a sense of achievement out of anything that you're doing you're not getting a sense of enjoyment out of anything that you're doing so if we start increasing those activities and doing the things that are meaningful to you then you'll hopefully start to notice a difference in your mood as well because at the moment you're missing out on those things so it's about helping them identify that we then also like start making lists of activities that they used to do and start making lists of activities that they've been wanting to do but they haven't had the chance to because of their low mood um, and then basically asking them to um, slot those activities into a diary. Now, this task in itself might sound so simple, you know, like I just need to slot some activities into a diary and just go ahead and do them. But again, when you're in that state of low mood, that one chore of I'm going to um, try and, um, I don't know, like maybe take a shower every day can seem so difficult and so hard because you're in that state of low mood that it's not, you, you might not be able to meet those certain goals instantly so it's about working out okay what's you know the least difficult thing for you to start with what's the most difficult thing and let's focus on the least difficult thing and then slot into a diary almost turn it into smart and specific goals so you know when are you going to do it how are you going to do it what time are you going to do it so you help them set that up and put those um different activities into a diary and then ask them to complete that diary over the week a really useful advice that we also give them is to try and follow this plan that you've made and not your mood because that mood is often going to take you back to the to the vicious cycle where you struggle um, to you know do the thing that you're supposed to do then feel worse about the fact that you're not able to do it and then get stuck in that cycle again so it's like following the plan which you've already planned out you've already spent some time doing it all you have to do is go ahead and do it and if you try and follow that plan and not your mood you will be able to get out of that cycle that you're stuck in at the moment and um, the other important thing is that often people will notice with low mood that they struggle with the lack of motivation so then we help them ident um, identify that it's you know you could wait your whole life and motivation won't actually come to you it's when you start doing something that the motivation will follow through with it too so it's about helping them identify it's, it's and it's it's always like really simple things when you think about it but someone who is obviously struggling in that state of flow mood it doesn't sort of come easily to them it's almost like they need someone who holds them accountable for it and as you're talking them through it and and you will notice that progress that they're making the changes that they're noticing and that the, the sense of achievement starts coming back the sense of pleasure and enjoyment starts coming back it's quite rewarding to see that journey that they take within those six weeks that we've, you know six weeks doesn't seem like a lot of time to see any huge changes in but often people do progress to the point of recovery um where they're, they're then you know discharged and, and and asked to sort of continue the work that, that we've done going forward in their own time um which is which is yeah really great to see but that's just 
that's obviously one particular tool and technique in terms of low mood. There's ones where you manage like worries and anxiety where people who might excessively worry about stuff to the point that it starts impacting your day-to-day -day life, looking at worry management techniques, because we know obviously worry can be useful if it leads to action. Anything other than that, it's not useful. So we don't want to get rid of worry completely, but we want to be able to manage it to a, a level where it's sort of um, an optimum level where you're only worrying about stuff that's leading to action. So that sort of technique or that sort of um, side of things follows a completely different protocol, but, it, but it's still sort of, you know, day-to-day -to -day tools and techniques that people might have come across, but they may, may have not paid much attention to it. So it's quite interesting to see how those like simple things can make a huge difference in a person's life. I know there's probably a huge range of techniques as well, yeah. um, but so far it's been quite, um, it's action and behavior based. Do you also focus on sort of mindset or thought patterns as well? Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one aspect of it is behaviours, and that's usually the one that we recommended to start with according to the guidelines and, and the research that's been done about it. Um, and often behaviours in itself can make a huge difference to be able to break out of that cycle that you're constantly stuck in. But thoughts, and, and sometimes for some people, behaviours isn't enough. Focusing on behaviours isn't actually enough. They might already be doing those things, but it's actually the thought patterns that's keeping them stuck in that cycle. So it's about noticing their thought patterns so in the similar way to what what um what I described in terms of like you know setting them diaries to do you know asking them to note down are you having you know are there any particular um thoughts that you're experiencing especially negative thoughts you know it could be thoughts of, about you know negative thoughts towards yourself about I'm not good enough or I can't cope or why am I feeling this way to to any other particular thoughts that they might be experiencing that are contributing to their symptoms so yes thoughts is quite an important aspect of that cycle too because it can keep you can it can keep you stuck in that in in that same vicious cycle that the behaviors are keeping you stuck in so the often our thoughts influence our behaviors and our our behaviors in turn maintain those negative thoughts. So they're very much connected basically. So with, with our thoughts, generally you would, yes, you would ask them to identify, um, for instance, what are your negative thoughts? Um, some people might come back with thoughts such as, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not good enough. Um, this person at work was probably thinking how stupid I am. And then you go through them through those thoughts and, and basically understand which one of those thoughts are particularly negative, which ones maybe hold the most emotions, and then help them identify that our thoughts aren't um, are often just opinions of how we see things rather than being facts. And when we're feeling low, we also then start attaching emotions to it, which makes the thought seem like it's actually very true when it might not be. When we're in a state of low mood, we never go out of a way to check whether a thought is true or not. We just assume it must be true because I'm feeling it, or it must be true because, um, because that's how I'm seeing things. But we don't. We we almost like you know. In we almost when we're in a state of low mood or anxiety, we're always looking through this tunnel vision, so we can't really see what reality might be like. We we're not able to see another perspective, and so this. Um, when we're looking at thought patterns, we help them identify what other ways can you look at this. Um, this thought or this um, this particular thought pattern. So to give you an example, if someone might be coming to us and saying, well, you know, 
this I did this and this person like thought must have thought I'm so silly that I made a mistake in my email or something and you come back to them and like well this sounds like that you're falling into what we call thinking traps so there's certain thinking traps that people commonly fall under you don't have to be you don't have to be struggling with your mental health um people commonly fall under to um when when they're struggling with with uh, mental health but also generally so like you might assume that other people know what you're thinking um or you so you assume you assume you know what other people are thinking about you so in that instance if someone says well i've had this particular thought over the week you ask them to challenge it well how do you know because we can't really mind read so it's almost like we're falling into this thinking trap and the way to challenge it is to really question that thought like take a step back and put it under the microscope and think about well where is this thought coming from because i don't know what this other person's thinking i don't know how to read minds they haven't said anything back to me well, what, what actually states that this thought is, is true. So you're really asking to challenge the thought patterns because when, when, you're, um, when you are in that state of you know, low mood or anxiety, your brain takes those um, same neural pathways in your, in, your, in your brain, you're taking the same neural pathways every single time. So if for instance, you know, you, you've been in that state of low mood for a long time, you'll notice that you're gonna take that same negative path no matter what the situation is, it's always going to end up in a negative situation. Um, to give you an example, and, and that's something that I use with my clients sometimes, that if you, you know, if you were um, outside and um, you saw a friend passing you, um, you will, and, and they, and, and you essentially wave at them, but they don't wave back, that situation itself can result in, in, in negative thoughts depending on how you're feeling so if you've just had a haircut you could automatically say oh they just didn't recognize me it's fine and you don't think much of it if you had an argument just before that situation you might instantly be like oh they're still upset with me that's probably why but if you're in a state of low mood and you're struggling you're already in a place where we're struggling with you know depression or anxiety you'd instantly start thinking oh, it must be because they don't like me, or it must be, because they must have ignored me. They probably don't want to see me. And it's almost instantly trying to sort of blame yourself for that situation as well. So you're helping them identify that there is different perspectives you can take here, but it's about choosing which one might be the most accurate one. There's a really um, great tool or technique that I love using with clients when they have negative thoughts, where you ask them to take the thought to court so you're basically asking them to challenge that thought where you're coming up with evidence for and against it. But those evidence needs are, are based on facts that you could obviously use in the court of law. So there's no space for opinions here. There's no space for assumptions. You just want to go straight into thinking about, OK, well, what actually suggests that this thought is true and what suggests this um, thought is false? And then come up with this balanced perspective of looking at the situation because when when we're in that state of low mood or when we've had a, a difficult situation where we've had a lot of negative thoughts we don't want to focus on the positives we don't want to focus on oh um what could have gone right because it's not it might not be even a positive situation to be in so you want to be able to come up with a balanced way to look at it and hopefully that will help you see things in a bit more perspective as opposed to constantly you know, looking things through a negative lens and then that impacting how you're feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's fascinating. So you're trying to disidentify essentially with your thoughts as well and to be able to step back step and back instead back. of seeing them from a narrow one, your own perspective, sort of yeah. see them 
from a wider perspective well, yeah from a much wider perspective so constantly instead of constantly taking that same neural pathway that you're taking in your brain we're asking them to form like another pathway so it's almost like you know like when you go out into like certain fields you'll notice if people have walked on that same path a couple of times it sort of forms a path Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the same with our brain. If we constantly take that same path, it sort of you know engraves that path into the ground. But actually, what we want to do is try and divert ourselves away from it and form another path, which actually gives you a more balanced perspective of how things are, rather than this um, sort of tunnel vision or, or negative perspective that you might feel stuck in. Yeah. Are there certain ways? Because I completely see how it's hugely valuable to have um one-to-one therapy for it and counseling but if someone weren't able to you know if they have to wait for a long time on the NHS or they can't afford private or you know maybe there's various reasons they don't have access to counseling straight away can you start and it must be incredibly difficult to start doing it by yourself I think but if there's a certain level of motivation from some people or yeah. they're maybe in an, a place that they are able to sort of start um, certain practices themselves. Is there ways that you can do it um, just yeah. by yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the, the treatment that I'm doing currently is pretty much based on self-help booklets or handouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are, those are things that people can access online. So CBT and especially like there's, there's uh, a lot of, self-help material online that you can access actually to help you start on that journey of CBT I've had a few clients that have come to me that said oh I've read about it or I've I've come across this sort of book that was great that really helped me but obviously now they're in treatment that they they're just needing someone to basically sort of go over that stuff that they already read through or just guide them essentially they're almost needing that push to be able to to do it but yes there's so much self-help material online there is a particular website um, I think it's getselfhelp.org.uk or.co.uk. I'm not. In, I'm not entirely sure if I remember it correctly, but that's someone. That's a website I usually recommend um, as well, where you can get a lot of self-help material. And it, it's sort of by what, like if you're struggling with low mood specifically, there's a different guide for that. If you're struggling with um, anxiety specifically, there's a different guide for that. So yes, there's 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 so much online that you can come across. That's um, a lot of material online that you can basically manage your symptoms in your own time with that material and it, it, it would potentially give you the same same outcome depending on how much effort you're putting into it because cbt is known to i guess it's 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 known to i guess the idea that the more you the more effort you put in the more you get out of it and, and that's what you often find with successful treatments as well that a lot of the times people have you know done their tasks like the homeworks over the week come back and they've discussed it and they've gone away and they've done you know they've really been on top of it and and you will see the results through that as well so yes um all of that material would be very effective um depending on obviously how much effort you yourself are putting into it as well mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah i'd just like to ask so, so far in your well whole career what's been one of the most important lessons that you've learned um I think when it comes to to mental health and um and I think I guess the main part or the the main thing that I've noticed and I've noticed that with other sort of you know people I've come across is if you enjoy the work that you're doing 
you're able to almost do it effectively um if that makes sense so I've, yeah. I've come across people where you notice that they're not enjoying what they're doing and that then has a domino effect on you know the people that's seeing or the the work that they're they're doing in terms of um in terms of I guess how much how much they actually enjoy being there and so I think especially with mental health um it's a very um you know emotion driven job it's sort of you know it's 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 a very yeah it's a very emotional driven job it's um it takes a lot out of you in terms of like emotionally and so I feel like being able to like the important bit here would be or for me at least is that the fact that I enjoy this job and if I'm enjoying it then I'm able to help people effectively and if I'm not enjoying it then that's going to impact the people that I'm seeing and so I think that's that's been very that aspect of it has been very important to me and that's something that stuck with me and um, for quite a long time I'm like if I don't enjoy this anymore I don't think I should be doing it so I think I think it's the idea that if I'm the fact that I enjoy being here and helping people um is is really important but at the same time the only way I can do that is if I if I was to obviously put myself forward put, put myself first and look after myself to be able to be there for the people that need it the most um and, and there's a really really great analogy that we use when when we in treatment with clients where we say um if you you know in um, when you're on an airplane they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on anyone else and I think that's very very important um, generally as a life principle where you know if you're looking after yourself you can look after others that's the only way you can potentially do it so that's the same with my sort of career where if I'm sort of putting myself first and looking after myself first that's when I can look after others and that's the same concept of if I'm enjoying it that's the only way I can do it effectively if I'm not then it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like I'm not fulfilling that purpose of doing my job, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Does that, um, that same principle of when you're doing something you enjoy, obviously, like, um, generally, yeah, usually it ends up to like that you're, you're happier in yourself and in your life. But does, is that a preoccupation of clients that you see as well? Do you often come across, is there a correlation? Maybe it's too simplistic, but is there any kind of correlation yeah. you can draw to people who are struggling with yeah. whatever it may be, um, depression or anxiety or yeah. other issues um, with what they do in their day-to-day -day life um, and what they do as a career, if you see what I mean? Is there yeah. a correlation with if they're not enjoying yeah. Their, yeah whether it's career or whether it's whatever they're doing whatever to, they're with, to, with yeah. to fill their days is there a correlation between that and the the issue they're having at the time I don't know if that's think, too yeah. complex and it's maybe individual it's done yeah. on an individual basis yeah actually that's a very very interesting point you've made there uh, to be fair because um yes it may, I guess it might be much more complex than than this but you do I mean you do see some sort of connection there I would say um you know there's there's a client I'm seeing at the moment he's very unhappy with his job but and he's struggling with with low mood and so we we're sort of trying to work on on the depression side of things but 
in that sense, I, you do see some level of connections there where, you know, they might be you know, unhappy in a certain area of, of their life, which then triggers it, you know, triggers the low mood, brings it up and it might sit, you know, it might sit dormant for a while and then, you know, something happens and, and, and you're then in that state of, of low mood where you're really struggling now and things have gotten worse and you, and you need support. So I do, I, th I guess in terms, I mean, the, I'm, I'm sure there must be some level of correlation there. Um, interestingly and um, and personally I do think that you would also see it because often when we're focusing on if again if I, I feel like I'll keep going back to to the low mood and the depression side of things but when you're seeing it with, with the low mood and depression you know you are asking them to you know focus more on their enjoyable activities focus more on the the things that give you achievement pleasure um to be able to get out of that state and so I guess in that sense um, there, there definitely may be a link where you know if you're doing something that you enjoy you might be in a better state of mental health as well but that I guess essentially saying that it's probably this this may be the case for more so the, the clients that have low mood not so much maybe for the ones that are struggling with other mental health disorders such as anxiety um, or, or OCD or um, other forms of, of mental health disorders. I'd like to go back a bit to your, um, I don't know whether what you'd call it, decision-making process or yeah. how, because yeah, I, I agree with Heli, your career path has seemed to, has flowed in a very, well, it, it makes sense. You, you started off, you enjoyed psychology, but you weren't specifically, you know, you, you weren't going down a very specific narrow path. You left it open to begin with. And then, yeah. you know, you found, you know where you love working yeah I just wondered what because I guess it's it, along the, the way there's there's lots of micro decisions Definitely. and how you sort of navigated that do you follow your intuition of what feels right do you you know weigh up the pros and the the cons how um yeah what what's your th thought process or your, your 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 whole process with that yeah of course um, so I guess I think part of that sort of decision making process or and I think I mentioned it at the beginning where I knew I wanted to do something that would serve you know that would help or like help others or you know do something in that sort of capacity but I wasn't entirely sure how and and what where I was going to do that and then there's also the there was that option kind of for like medicine and things like that but um but I think part of that decision making was um was I guess I want to say like my, I guess like my religion sort of played a part in it or my community that I'm a part of like the Afadia Muslim community that I'm part of um sort of played a part in it because I guess the main sort of purpose of or the main thing that that we discuss within the within the community the aim of us would be to you know be able to like serve God and serve his creation and so in that sense that that sort of that's almost that like drove that um, desire to do it, but again, I wasn't sure in what capacity, in what way, um, and so when I was sort of studying psychology and I was studying, um, I was studying, um, I guess my at uni and um, at at my master's level and stuff, I I did come across, and I think. I'm not, I'm not sure how to sort of describe it, but I, I feel like I'd noticed that people around me almost had 
um, I'm not sure how to describe it, like almost had a, th a thing that they were good at, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, like there was people around me that had something that they were quite good at. I'm going to use like my, my sister-in-law as an example, who's, um, who's really good at art, for instance. And so she, that's sort of her skill and, you know, like her work is based around that. And so I struggled to understand what I was good at or what I, you know, like I guess like what sort of my skill in that sense is or what I enjoy doing and so along that path as I was you know like working or like studying but, but then also started working with people with mental health problems I sort of I guess like I came across that what I felt I was good at like I actually was quite passionate about it and I quite enjoyed it and then it was almost fulfilling that purpose and that desire that I had that was being driven um by my community to to be able to help others and so I feel like my community sort of played a part in it to sort of help me identify that this is probably that something that I want to be able to do to do because it's rewarding it's it's sort of you know it like fulfill, fulfilling my desire to help others um and I think part of it also was sort of my long-term goal where I can potentially um, help people in the in the longer run um, to to um, especially those that are less fortunate to access therapy um, to be able to help those and that that again that again was sort of driven um, by by I guess like by that desire to to fulfill like you know helping others through through what my community had taught me essentially if that makes sense so like you know being able to help the less fortunate um and so so I guess that's more of a long-term goal that I've I've had in mind and so when I came across psychology and and you know like therapy and and when I started working within that I was like I, I really do enjoy it and I feel very passionate about it maybe this is what I should go into and it's almost serving that purpose that I've been wanting that I've had in mind I again didn't know what capacity I I would do it and so when I when I obviously work started like working it that sort of clarified things a bit more for me and I was like maybe this is my skill like this is what I thought I didn't have and other people had like and and this is what I'm good at and maybe this is what I should stick to but but yes I had I guess I had that guidance for being quite religious and being quite um close to my community I had, had that guidance present there um, to help me find my I guess footing and, and to help me realize that this is exactly what I wanted that makes sense yeah, it does. sometimes it just takes a, a little while as well there's no like one uh, straight road to it is it there's uh, lots no. of different paths oh yeah definitely that's for sure have you seen just out of curiosity have you seen any either friends or peers um, or anyone else in your your community being influenced um, in their life path by your community and religion and upbringing as well? Have you seen anyone else being influenced in whatever way and directed? Because it's um, that's quite an interesting perspective as well that I don't know if everyone has. I think obviously there are a number of people, but it's. Um, less common I think to find people who have yeah. gone into a certain career or life path or route 
because of being influenced so heavily at a at a young age um yeah, yeah I was just wondering if you've seen it happen quite a lot to uh, friends and people you know so. yeah yeah so definitely within within my community itself I have sort of noticed that that difference I think a lot of it because um I guess like in terms of the, the the teaching of Islam and and the teaching that we follow of the the holy book the uh, holy Quran um are around you know trying to serve God and serve his his creation so that with keeping that aim sort of in mind a lot of people I, like within like the people that I know in terms of within my community um, and even people in my own family actually have been influenced by that and chosen their career path based on on that so um looking into how can they you know ha- and having these long-term goals like how like you know yes I want to maybe study in this and, and do this but essentially in the long run I want to be able to come back to serving my community and serving people and helping others and so that's I guess that's something that's inspired me quite a lot within my community and we've also got the head of our community that we often turn to for advice as well so if anyone's sort of particularly confused um we often have that guidance there so we can go to him and say like you know this is what I'm this is what I want to do you know um but I'm I'm not entirely sure like what even like you know what what sort of path to take or what might be useful how can I best fulfill this purpose almost and so we've got we've got the head of our community as a guidance but also um I guess in that sense having other people to to um to look to look to look up to almost and because they, they've done that or they've been in that in that position so so yes I've definitely seen seen people being influenced um and I I guess I myself have, have been influenced by it but it's 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 great because I guess towards the end you, you've all got this sort of one purpose that you're coming together for um and so there's that sense of sense of almost like togetherness um which is great that's such a beautiful thing um Thank to have you. that instilled in you yeah. um and to have that as a guidance and I also think that's something we're missing that sort of we often have to go in search of mentors and elders yeah. and people for guidance. Or even and we have to like search. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and we have to search search them out. But yeah, you've just uh, you have them there already, and that's yeah, that's yeah. such a a really amazing thing. Yeah, definitely. No, it, it it really is. It truly is. I think it's sort of. I think like the way it sort of fits in with what we're going to come back to in terms of you know finding your purpose and finding what you like what is it that that you um what is sort of like you know your purpose of being here and stuff that sort of links in I guess quite nicely in 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 that aspect of things in terms of linking back linking it back to my own community and stuff which is it's almost um not sure how to um how to describe it It's, it's it's almost um having like a, I guess like obviously having like that sense of direction um, and, and that be much clearer for me at the moment um, or just generally like having that sense of, having that sense of direction that's quite clear like in terms of what am I doing and, and what am I going to be doing as mm. well. Yeah, yeah. to have that those anchors. Yeah. Have those anchors, exactly, <laughs> or, yeah. Or yeah. Structure, I can. Yeah. Structure, exactly. So there isn't much in terms of like, 
like you know uncertainty or you know sometimes people I come across where you know they're they're really struggling with you know what the future holds or what's going to happen and, and and dealing with that sort of anxiety can can be quite difficult um understandably so so it's about like having having that sort of something there to sort of you know help guide you like you said and 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 help you um manage that sort of anxiety almost so now is probably a great time to move on to flow quite nicely onto the quick fire questions yeah yeah so our first one is in one word what does the phrase finding your purpose mean to you um so again I think it it would be quite difficult so I was thinking about how I could word it in one word <laughs> um but I think um the way I would describe it is like finding my finding finding your purpose would mean to me to be able to serve and, and help God's creation because if I can um help others it's 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 a way of sort of helping God in my opinion and um from my sort of religious perspective yeah um our next question is what is the one book that you would love to share with as many people as possible so there's a there, there was two um two ways I was thinking about this actually because on one side there's so many books out there in terms of like cognitive behavioral therapy and CBT um that I would I would recommend uh, for people to look into um specifically one being um called there's an overcoming series actually um so like overcoming depression by chris williams it's it's a self-help workbook um that a lot of people um have come across or have used where they've struggled with low mood and depression and they, it sort of provides a practical and effective way of being able to improve improve that um so that's uh I guess one way of, I was looking at answering this question. Uh, another book that's quite um, sort of personal to me, um, and and that I would I guess for people to if, if they were obviously interested in reading it to come across would be the philosophy of the teachings of Islam, um, and that basically touches on some of the things that I've mentioned around you know the almost like you know finding your purpose and and having sort of almost guidance there to help you find that purpose um, so it sort of covers different teachings that you'd come across the holy book of, and the holy quran which um, i've myself personally found very very beneficial um, and i guess you don't have to be religious to be reading that if that makes sense um, it's quite an interesting read amazing now i'm gonna look look it up and i definitely don't think you have to um, come from a religious perspective when no. you read it. It can be useful on all perspectives. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, our next question is, how would you like to be remembered? Um, that's a very interesting question. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I would want to be remembered as someone who's been able to fulfill their purpose of helping others to the best of their ability. So if I've if I've chosen to do it within the within within mental health, I'd want to be remembered as someone who's done it to the best of their ability within mental health. I've done it effectively within that area of, I guess, my expertise. And if you had to give someone one piece of advice or quote about finding your purpose, what would this be? 
there's a quote that's really close to my heart um, that I have found very beneficial, um, especially at times where things have been really difficult. Um, and it's it's actually a verse of the Holy Quran, which is the, the Holy Book of Muslims. And it says in sort of chapter 13, um, verse 29, that it's in the remembrance of God that hearts can find comfort. And I think that sort of very much links into almost like, you know, finding my purpose and also very much links into, I guess, um, in the sense of, of how I have coped in times when things have been difficult. Um, so that's, I think that's probably the, the quote that comes to my mind instantly when I, when I, when I think about um, or, or a quote that I would sort of um, think about when, you're, when, when I think about finding my purpose. Amazing. Thank you so much. I think that's a great place to come to an end. And I really appreciate that. And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been a great pleasure being here. And I've had a really lovely time chatting to you both. Thank you, Tuba. Um, And we'll put links to the books and also that website that you mentioned earlier on as well. We can put them in. Um, the notes along with this episode for anyone who's interested yeah thank you truly inspirational thanks for listening to the squiggly lives podcasts with your hosts helena and claire head over to our website squigglylives.com to subscribe and hear more shows that's all for this episode see you next time